Catherine Austin Fitz from the Soleri Report returns to the podcast this week to discuss the loss of sovereignty in America, information sovereignty, financial sovereignty, and operational sovereignty, and why it is imperative that Tennessee and other state legislatures work to assure that we, the people, retain control of the real assets. My name is Kevin Cookagee, and with my good friend Gary Humble, this is the Freedom Matters Podcast. I'm not having to guess another, like, Come Philadelphia on, song. Row. Nope, not Philadelphia. <laughs> okay. Gary, if you can't get this, Catherine might. Let's see. Let's see if you can get three weeks in a row. Yeah. Is it? This isn't ACDC, it is it? It is ACDC. It is ACDC, okay. Oh. Just not ca- I mean, I've heard it, and I know it's ACDC, but I just don't remember the name of the song. Well, if we get to the chorus and you think of who our guest is today and the the topics that we talk about when Catherine's on the program. Hmm. So it's about money. Bingo. <laughs> well, that well, yes. That's easy. Are they singing about the central bank? <laughs> no, uh-huh. I couldn't find a song that had okay. to do with <laughs> Nobody central bank writes songs about the BIS. All right. Here we go. Yeah, baby. Well... Living you know for the, the song? money talks. Living for the rights to my my own money. God help us. By the way, there's one. Do, do you have the lyrics for that? There is one lyric line that I think is. Scroll it down a little bit. Uh, how about this? They, hey, hey, little girl. We would say this to any government official, right? You break the laws. You hustle. You deal. You steal from us all. Come on, come on. Loving for the money. Money talks. Money talks. Money talks. It's a great song and. Uh, appropriate when we're talking about the loss of sovereignty through money, right? That's right. And just so our listeners know, which if you're a listener, you probably know this because you've listened to it more than you've listened to anything else. But Catherine Austin Fitz is with us again today and and still, as of, as of right now, still holds the record as the most listened to and most downloaded episode of our podcast. So That's wonderful. We had back. fun. We had fun. We did. We did. So we can dispense with all like the Philadelphia pleasantries today. <laughs> we got all of that out of the way. Yes. And we can we can dive right into uh, what we're facing. Also, I uh, was blessed to get to do an event out in East Tennessee with uh, Catherine last week. That was a great group of people. We we have some good people in Tennessee, don't yeah, we? Yeah, we do. We do. And I was sitting at, during dinner. I just plopped down, and everybody I was with was from California. Mm-hmm. And all they could talk about is, thank God I live in Tennessee. Yeah. <laughs> was it one of your events, or was it a Tennessee Stands event? Freedom was... Fest. Freedom Fest. Yeah, it was just yeah. it was uh, the local Empowered Severe and Empowered Jefferson County groups. Um, That's right. Yeah. yeah, just putting together a, a good, good uh, conversations about freedom. Well... I was based on that conversation. One of the things I talked about, uh, we can just, you know, something to start with. I, I talked about sovereignty and just right. what our sovereignty is is based on and talked about that for a bit. And you came up afterwards and said, hey, I've got a, a report I want to send you, one of your salary reports, which talks about this one's called taxation with or without representation. But this actually in this report is where you you mentioned this in the last podcast, this 21 trillion dollars trillion dollars that are missing missing but i want to i want to read this little excerpt um page 19 of this report there's an area called the question of sovereignty and you list three types of sovereignty that you you suggest we are losing here in america information sovereignty the federal government no longer has information sovereignty large us and multinational corporations which generally count themselves exempt from the Freedom of Information Act as to information they hold on behalf of the federal government, maintain and manage its databases and telecommunications system. Uh, The president cannot make a phone call without multiple intelligence agencies and corporations listening in and leaking the content to the corporate media. Financial sovereignty. In addition to not having information sovereignty and privacy, the federal government does not currently enjoy financial sovereignty and privacy. It is entirely dependent on the New York Fed owners and members to keep the outstanding U.S. debt growing and liquid. And operational sovereignty. 
nor does the federal government have operational sovereignty. Its operations are highly dependent on large banks and corporate contractors, which are privatizing core infrastructure expertise and control beyond congressional oversight. That all sounds a little scary to me. Yeah, it is scary. It is scary. And it's one of the reasons that it is so important that the state legislators in each state create the conditions of sovereignty within the state. Because at this point, if you're going to try and create the conditions of sovereignty at the federal government, you got a huge uphill battle. But that get, but battle gets feasible if every state will do the same thing. And that's why it's imperative that the state and its banks and credit unions and municipalities and subdivisions have the ability to transact among themselves and within the state without New York or Washington being able to freeze them or shut them down. I don't know if I asked this last time, but are you are you seeing – I mean, and I know you, you gave high, Tennessee some high praise, which I appreciate because we do have at least one senator in our legislature, Senator and Frank Nicely. Rep- you've got yeah. one representative too. Yeah. yeah. Do, do you recall – well, uh, Bud Halsey. Bud yeah, Halsey. That's right. He was – which were, by the way, both there. At I know. The, I got. Yeah. I finally got to meet Bud Halsey in yeah. person. I was thrilled. Yeah. They're, yeah. The, if, if there's two men in our General Assembly that like get – Sovereignty and what sovereignty should be, at least, I think, respectively speaking, they certainly do. Well, but I, you know, and I just have to put in, if you look, we have a couple of interviews at Solari where we describe all the different things they've done over the last 10 years, you know, bit by bit by bit. It's like, it's like building a jigsaw puzzle. And if you look at all the different laws they've passed, you know, just inch by inch by inch and keeping taxes down or cutting taxes, what they've accomplished is amazing. Yeah. It's amazing. But so what in your view, though, are there is there any other is there a state right now in the union that you would say is really making some significant strides towards financial sovereignty? So from what I see, there are about 10 states that are really the legislators are working on it. And it's hard to tell at any given moment, you know, sort of who's in the lead or who's accomplished what. I think one of the because DeSantis is running for president, when he came out and gave his speech opposing CBDCs, that helped those state groups, you know, kind of it gave them sort of wind under, you know, a breeze in their sails, so to speak, because it said, okay, this is something that responsible Republican leaders would do. Mm-hmm. And and it, you know, and so it's accelerated. So we see Texas has a bullion depository. North Dakota already has a sovereign state bank. Different southern states are moving and talking about different things. But it's – I think what's going to happen over the next year is you're going to see tremendous movement on this front. And we're just going to have to wait. You know, we're not in in legislative session now. There may be, God help us, a special session. And that's the first thing. About to thing. say we may be in one soon. Well, one of the things we need to do today is we want to, we need to tell everyone to call their state representatives and make sure if the governor does call a legislative session that they adjourn it within the first five minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean, that has to happen. And then um, then there needs to be a real effort between now and January to set up the conditions to ensure financial transaction freedom within the state of Tennessee. And what's great, I was over with Senator Nicely and a group in Charleston um, a week and a half ago, and what was great was listening and hearing to a lot of, of the senators and representatives realize, okay, there's a problem. And interestingly enough, one of the things that has helped them understand how bad the problem is is what's happening on the southern border. And, you know, we got a couple descriptions of people who'd gone down and were, were looking literally at the loss of sovereignty at the border. And they're realizing, okay, you know, the federal government is not going to do this. We have to do this in, within the state of Tennessee. Mm. So yeah. I saw a, a whole giant leap forward in understanding of what we have to do. It's, I, I would say on that point, by the way, it's not just that the federal government is refusing, right, acting neutrally. Just today, the day we're recording this, the Department of Justice filed a lawsuit against the state of Texas for protecting its borders. Right. It's it's outrageous that we're at this point. And again, we've said it over and over again, but people must recognize that our own government has declared its citizens the enemy. And that's a, that's a different um, 
premise from which to analyze these problems. It's not just, oh, the government made a mistake or, oh, the government isn't doing its job. No, the government is actively acting against its citizens. So so the government is engineering a coup. Mm-hmm. And it has been engineering a financial coup since 1998, but now it's engineering a physical coup. Mm-hmm. And it's getting very serious. And you know, we talked about that a little bit whenever Ken Cuccinelli was on the show. I mean, mm-hmm. at the very least, um, you know, thankfully we saw Governor Abbott issue a statement in response to that legal action that uh, Texas is committed to using their constitutional right to defend their sovereign territory. And so um, it's so it's interesting. Yeah, you're seeing a more outward, you know, usually conversations like this are like had, you know, behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And now you're seeing these very outward and public discrepancies now between, I mean, governors and the president of the United States on protecting their sovereign land. That's right. That's incredible, sort of, if you well, think about that. Th- I mean, this ultimately, remember, we have the real assets on the planet. You know, so in Tennessee, that we have the land, we have the uh, the livestock, we have all these resources, right? So let's just say that the real assets are 100%, 100% of the real assets. We've now created a speculative bubble with trillions of dollars of paper that hypothecates and collateralizes those real assets many times over. And so when the music stops, what's the key question? Who gets the real assets, right? Wow. So the fight is on, and that's why what's happening on the border and what's happening with the Second Amendment are so relevant because they determine who gets the land, who gets the real estate, who gets the real assets. You used big words, hypothecate. Wait, what was the other one? I don't know. You said them so fast. Can you break those down for us? So I'm going to give you – I'm just going to give you a theoretical case example. Mm -hmm. 20 guys have a mortgage on one house, and they all think they are collateralized by the same house. Yes, exactly. (laughs) And when the music stops, they're going to discover the fight's on as to who gets the house. Right, right. I don't I don't know about you Kevin. I feel like I feel like last time we talked and I think you and I had discussed a little bit like before Catherine was on the show but we had you had an interest in maybe digging in a little deeper as to where is this 21 trillion dollars uh, yes. that we yeah. had talked about what cuz we you know I feel we like we talked about that at the end last at, time and right. it's, and we sort of just that was kind of like a big thing and it, that was kind of just said and yeah. I know I was I kind of left thinking well gosh well what's What's that all about? It's twenty-one. It's called a fin- it's a financial coup d'état. So, so where is some of that? Where has it gone? Even if we reprise it a little bit. Okay, so so but let me just give you a very simple overview of the federal finances. The official the official debt of the U.S. government is thirty-three trillion dollars. Okay, now the Treasury could have just issued thirty-three trillion dollars of currency. They didn't need to issue debt to get that $33 trillion, right? Mm-hmm. They have the power. Yep. Right. Okay. So our first problem is a debt-based currency. We owe $33 trillion, and we didn't need to owe $33 trillion. We could have just, the Treasury could have issued the currency. Okay. Could have just printed it. Yeah. Yeah. The only problem is the only person, the only president who ever tried to do that and not was not assassinated was Andrew Jackson, who took a bullet and lives, you know, Wow. Yeah, so Tennesseans are good. But (laughs) (laughs) anyway, so so there are political problems on the Treasury issuing that currency clearly. clearly. But so so that's $33 we're in the hole that we don't need to be in the hole to to the bankers, right? Although they've put the money in our pension fund, so it's, you know, we owe ourselves. So that's number one. Of that $33 trillion that went, you know, so you issue $33 trillion of debt, the money goes into the Treasury – there are 21 trillion of undocumentable adjustments since fiscal 1998. So I told you the story. The largest, the president of the largest pension fund said to me in the spring of 1997, they've given up on the country. They're moving all the money out starting in the fall. And that was the beginning of fiscal, federal fiscal 1998. And that year, money started to go disappearing in huge amounts. And we know that because I was part of a group of people in the first Bush administration got laws passed that said they had to produce audited financial statements. And in 1996, they started to produce audited finance. They they started to produce financial statements, said we can't produce an audit, and here's why. We have this so much of undocumentable adjustments. Between 1998 and, and 9-11, over $4 trillion, there were $4 trillion of undocumentable adjustments. And if you look at the buildings that blew up, 
during, you know, in 9-11, both in the Pentagon and, mm-hmm. and the World Trade Center, they very much related to the federal accounts and the government securities that were issued to presumably finance that. Okay, so can you repeat that slower? Because that's really interesting to me, but I didn't catch it all. Okay. So what, four tri- of, what was the year as again? Of 2000, as of 2001, there was $4 trillion missing from DOD and HUD. There are two agencies that have missed. Okay, so between 98 and 2001, the first $4 trillion went of, missing. Of this 20 tri- right. $21 trillion. On September 10th, the day before 9-11, Donald Rumsfeld, I was working with a, a great reporter in Washington on a cover story on Insight Magazine, which was delivered automatically to all the senator and congressman's office, mm-hmm. is a cover story on the missing money. $4 trillion, we called it the missing money. So big story. We thought it was going to blow it wide open. And because you're in massive violation of the federal financial laws related to managing taxpayers' money. And it was due out the Friday after 9-11, so I think that was September 15th. September 10th, Donald Rumsfeld holds a press conference and announces that there's $2.3 trillion missing from DOD. There's actually $3.3 trillion, but he said $2.3. Mm-hmm. And we thought he was trying to get ahead of our, of our story. We thought it was just a modified hangout. And I said to Kelly when it happened, I said, nothing can stop this story from going viral. I think I told you that, guys, last time, so I'll never say that again. But hmm. anyway, so the next day was 9-11. No one cared about the missing money. And it took us two months to get the story out at that point. Uh, DOD got a $48 billion appropriation increase. and uh, So this was all about to come out, and this was happening just before right. 9-11. And one of the things wow. I'll tell you, if you ever look at a lot of the false flag operations, they blow up buildings like the Oak. Oklahoma City, mm-hmm. they blow up buildings with the records on massive financial fraud. It's usually many of those operations blow up buildings that have huge data on on mortgage. So the building in Oklahoma had financial so information. It was very. I don't think I knew that. Did you know that? Yeah, I think I, I we talked. Uh, well, this is so, great. So, well, but let, let's dig let me in. explain. So, so at the time, my company was the lead financial advisor of the Department of Housing and Urban Development. Mm-hmm. And we were about to go in and get records on the defaulted mortgages in Region 6, which Region 6 was headquartered in Fort Worth. So it was Texas, but it had Arkansas. So you had all the Iran-Contra mortgage fraud Mm -hmm. in those mortgage files. And I remember saying to somebody, I'm a little worried about getting those documents because, you know, the, the rumors were the money laundering in Arkansas absolutely related to the Rose Law firm and the Clintons and everything mm-hmm. else. And I said, I'm a little nervous about... I was about to say, I, I know about, someone in Arkansas yeah, around that time. Yeah, so, <laughs> so I said, I'm a little nervous about collecting these files and, and doing the auctions because you're going to make these files available widely publicly. So we had, I think it was Coopers and Library going in to get the documents. And literally a week or two before they got them, the whole building blew up. And they had moved in. Um, you know, and this happens a lot in recent weeks. Apparently, they had moved in a lot of other documents that needed blowing up. You know, these are these are not. They like to stack functions, and these L- are knowledge management. Listen operations. to that. They they move. Say it again. They moved in more documents that needed that needed to blowing, blowing up. up. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Yeah. Not you know, interesting. Not sh- not shredding, Kevin. Yeah. See, what are we blowing what, up? Yeah. What do we do with these? Oh wait, we we've got to blow up. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Issue or event over here. You know, you know the transfer. You know them. the trucks that drive by that like do the mobile shredding. No, yep. we don't call those people. We just these documents need blowing. Or maybe up. we do. Maybe they. Maybe yeah, but, their shredders carry them to the blow. Okay, up you have to remember, mortgage fraud is a huge source mm-hmm. of revenues, and we're going to get back to where the twenty-one trillion went. But if you look at the financial crisis, the bailouts were twenty-seven trillion dollars. $8 trillion would have paid off all the single-family mortgages in the country at that time. So $8 trillion. $8 so trillion. Are we so, at, are so we at 19, 2008 now? Where, where I'm are ju- we? I, yeah, I'm jumping up to two. But so $19 trillion more than was necessary? To pay off 100% of the single-family mortgages. Now, there was more going on than just single-family mortgages, but that will give you a scale of the what I call the collateral fraud. I used to find, when I was assistant secretary, I found one single-family home in Chicago that had refinanced and defaulted five times in one year. Wow. <laughs> That's a business. Anyway, so so mortgage fraud. So let's talk about the $21 trillion. So money starts to go missing. There's a real effort to stop it. Many of the government securities firms get blown up at the World Trade Center. You have the 
Um, you have one of the offices that was dealing with an investigation of the missing money at the Pentagon blown up. Okay, so so then we go back to to you know moving the army to the Middle East and everybody making money on the war. Everybody forgets about the middle mm. missing money. So I continued to pursue and publish and talk about the missing money because I was convinced that as a financial matter, we were doing the equivalent of stealing all the retirement money. And, you know, literally that the leadership said, look, we can use this money to pay for everybody's old age, or we can use it to reinvest in space and all sorts of other things to build the empire. So let's just kick the can. And then when it's time, you know, for retirement, we just pull the plug. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of what the pandemic was. So I was very worried that the day would come if we couldn't just take that $21 trillion and say, wait a minute, you know, let's renegotiate who gets the real assets because you owe us $21 trillion. So you can't have all the real assets because you owe us $21 trillion. So here's the question. Where did the money go? That, that's and, that's and, where I'm in my head. I'm like, okay, so. Okay. So, so the first thing is how did they launder it? And the second thing is who got it and <laughs> where did it get reinvested? Now, what I can only do is speculate because sure. I don't have – if you don't have access to those – Bank records, you don't you don't know where the money. And went. on the books, like you said earlier, these are just like journal entries. These are just a, right. adjustments. You get right. like you get to the end of the year and you reconcile everything. You're like, oops, I'm a couple hundred dollars off, and so you just adjust it out. Right. So so, so when you say you have twenty one trillion dollars of a docu- of documentable adjustments, you could be missing thirty trillion dollars, which would be easy to finance of, with security. Un, of undocumentable no, adjustments. No. So. so if your accounting records are twenty-one trillion of undocumentable oh, adjustments, yeah. you could be missing two trillion, or in terms of cash right. or assets, hard assets, you could be missing two trillion. You could be missing two hundred trillion. And the reason you could be missing two hundred trillion is if you control the federal credit and are willing to issue securities off balance sheet, which I'm a hundred percent confident they're doing. You can finance whatever amount you want. Hmm. Right. All right, so we rabbit trailed a okay. bit. So back to your so, speculation. So let's get back. Which is what I want to hear. Okay, so I want to talk first about how you launder it. Um, one of the most important facts in that decade was in nineteen, the end of 1994, the New York Fed and the Fed finally bought shares in the Bank of International Settlements. The Bank of International Settlements is authorized to move money and documents around the world behind sovereign immunity. And it is allowed to manage assets, to hold deposits and manage assets for its members in secret behind sovereign immunity. Okay. <clears throat> so if the, if the New York Fed wanted to shift any amount of money into the BIS accounts, you know, they can disappear there. And in theory, they can dis- disappear there behind sovereign immunity. So I'm just talking theoretically. If you wanted to take $100 million, park it at the BIS, have the BIS send it to Norway and have Norway, you know, for a 10% fee, donate it back to the Clinton Foundation, mm-hmm. that would be easy to do. And the BIS is? Bank of International Settlements in okay. Basel, Switzerland. It's the central bank for the central banks. It's got 63 centers. So all the G7 and developed world banks are bank members of the Right. Okay. So all the big central banks in the world are members or participate, but they have the power of sovereign immunity, okay, which is— And when did they get the power of sovereign immunity, and who thought that that would be a good idea? They thought it would be a good idea when they negotiated the uh, reparations uh, of the Germans to Uh the Allies, and that was really used by the central bankers. There's a wonderful book called The Tower of Basel, and if you want to understand this whole game, I would read it. Who's the author? Uh, I think it's Adam Labor. We have a great book review of it up at Solari, so okay. we go. Um, he's a Hungarian author who has now stopped talking about the the whole thing is so public. Hmm. Now, there were other ways to launder the money, and I always believed that Enron was one of the ways they were laundering the money. Mm, um, but I think the Gates and Clinton Foundation, you know, are no, two candidates. I would, no way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do you think people are really giving that money? You for mean those the government purposes? is funneling money through the Bill Gates and and Clinton Foundation? Well, <laughs> that would be. that would only be the landing place. You 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 would. There are many ways you move it, and then it gets donated back so that the donations look legitimate. Right. Or it, you can just use it to run up 
Microsoft stock and to, to you know, an, Gates has put his Microsoft stock in and to and, enact the operations that that they would not enact through public policy because they know they would start an all out civil war. So they do it through these foundations. Right. So let me make a suggestion because money laundering is a whole independent topic, um, but it's worth. I wrote a, a, a book that is online. It's available publicly. It's called Dylan Reed and the Aristocracy of Stock Profits. And it um, it gives a lot of case studies about how money laundering, you know, with government and Wall Street work, including um, all the documentation on a lawsuit by the European Union against RJR Nabisco for laundering money with the Italian cartels, the Russian mafia, the Mexican cartel. I mean, it's quite a primer on how money laundering works. But and, I would, and that's a, a book or a report? <laughs> it's an did. online book. It's called Dylan Reed and the Aristocracy of Stock Profits. Okay, and it's in French, German, Spanish, and English. You can download a PDF. Every time I've tried to publish it, I've run into all sorts of problems. And the last time I tried to publish it in a hard copy, they threatened somebody in my family. So, wow. Yeah. That's, that's, so. That will tell you. That adds credibility to it, right? When someone so threatens family for publishing something. So I wrote it because I litigated with the Department of Justice for 11 years. And when it was over, I said, people need to understand what just happened. Mm -hmm. You know, because they make it complicated and it's messy. And I needed a way of explaining what had happened in the context of how the real economy really, you know, the covert economy right. works so that people could understand. And it was seriously documented. So I sent six months on the footnote and working with various lawyers on libel law and and how to document it. And the goal mm -hmm. was for the person who just couldn't believe there's a group of, group of people trying to centralize all power on the planet, mm -hmm. it was meant to sort of break through that sound barrier. And it worked very successfully. And that's, I think, why they didn't they didn't want it. So um, being that threats are coming your way, just quick question. You don't have any family members that happen to be personal chefs, do you? Because I don't know if you've <laughs> seen the news. Uh, the, the, the Obama's personal chef just mysteriously drowned while paddleboarding. On, on the Obama's property. Yeah. Which, of course, a few years ago, the same thing happened to Clinton's personal chef. So, and as so you can, I haven't seen that, but I will tell you, I was yeah. poisoned eight times during the litigation. Oh, you yeah. were poisoned? Yeah. Eight times. Eight times. Times. times most of them not seriously one very very seriously but but the other times not enough to scare you or tire you but not to kill you so i i remember that case about 10 years ago where a man was poisoned and they thought immediately it was a russian uh, operation right. I, I forget the name of the individual it happened maybe even happened in the netherlands but and he died pretty quickly like he knew immediately he was poisoned but he went to the hospital and he was dead like three days later right so I'm really curious, personally, A, did you know immediately you were poisoned? Did you figure it out along the way? And what was the, the first, poison? The first time it happened, I didn't figure it out because I just couldn't believe somebody of my status. You know, I was very successful, and I was also very loyal to the guys at the top. Mm -hmm. So I just couldn't believe it was happening to me. And it took me a long time to figure out, okay, you've been poisoned. Um, and then I got savvy about the whole thing when I realized, okay, this can happen. And I ended up having to study poisoning as a as a political tactic, and I learned it was much much more common than I had understood. So, I, that's stunning. I, it's not surprising. It's just stunning that we're because I've always I've always feared that with anybody who is on our side of any of the important issues, it's so easy. You go to a dinner, you go to right. a public dinner right. of any sort. I would always want to know where my food is coming. Not from. with Catherine, you don't. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we ought to always go to our public dinners. <laughs> so I, I want to shift the conversation a little so bit. So you want me to tell you where I think the 21 yes. trillion go? Well, I thought, okay, okay. so so well, I thought you you were postulating that potentially some of it ended up in these foundations. Yeah, I do. But I here, here's the thing. So we all know the story, and I talked about it last time, about the guy who has a family, and then he falls in love with somebody in another town. And he creates a second family, and he's trying to keep both families going mm -hmm, out of one paycheck, right. and it gets harder and harder and harder. Finally, he just leaves the first family behind and goes and lives with the second family, and it all comes out. Yep. And the first family has no idea. I actually, by the way, I actually know a guy that actually tried that. Really? I, I was stunned. I thought, I'm living in a movie. This guy actually <laughs> tried that. And it failed miserably, of course. So I think, you know, you'll hear the expression, the breakaway civilization. Mm-hmm. I think they decided, okay, 
this current governmental mechanism of balance of power between the bankers and the, you know, the people managing the fiscal side of the house through mm-hmm. their representatives, it won't work. It doesn't work anymore. It's just not functional. So the way we're going to collapse it is we're going to re-engineer the governance system on a just-do-it basis. We're going to, you know, lever up the government, steal all the assets, leave the liability in the old government, and then, you know, we'll have all the assets in the new government, and then we'll jam down the liabilities. You know, we'll we'll have a bankruptcy. Mm-hmm. So I think part of it was you you start a new separate system, you move your assets into that system, and then you bankrupt the old system. Okay, so it's a it's it's a breakaway civilization. And I often said during the pandemic, the pandemic is and the going direct reset is just the breakaway civilization breaking back in this, and taking over. With, so literally, it financing what what we've been reading about this great reset. I mean, they've yeah. they're funding it. Yeah, but the other thing is, I to do that, you need to put in a control structure. So you need to create the smart grid. So you're financing your control structure. You're financing an enormous amount of underground bases. And I think they're financing a lot of operations in space because the thing that makes this system go, in addition to the wave they've got the money engineered, is you've got satellites running and helping facilitate the surveillance, the intelligence, and the operations that allow your control grid to ultimately assert you know, total I central do, control. I do find it interesting that we now have a legitimate branch of the American military right. that we never talk about, ever. It, it, we, we laughed about space it. Space Force. Oh, Space Force, and we just made a joke of it. And it's, but, right. we never, but, it's, but it exists, but I think and we never talk about it. But I think they've pouring money into, you know, I, I'm sure they got offshore havens up in space. So, so I think they've been pouring money and that's part of – you have both to run the, the space program, you've got underground bases. There's a huge amount of money that's going into building underground bases and, you know, which to a certain extent – Are these are these the dumbs that we were hearing about during yeah, COVID? Yeah, in part. Yeah. And, and so, so you've, got an, you've got a network of underground bases and then you have a huge amount of black budget technology that's gone into – satellites or invisible weaponry that are delivered and managed from space. And that includes a whole bunch of weaponry that most Americans can't even fathom exists. And I would say $21 trillion is a good start to, to fund well, some of really, things. It was really funny. I yeah. walked into Blockbuster in Bolivar, Tennessee. Come on. That's going first, way back. Yeah, baby. Yeah, no. So that was when I first got moved to Tennessee. Or something? No, it was like 99 or 2000. Yeah. And there was a great documentary called The Phoenix Lights about a UFO that came down the side of Arizona and like 20,000 citizens, including pilots and scientists and all these people filmed it. And I remember seeing they they had this great footage of this thing floating down the side of Arizona. And I looked at it and I said, you know, Lockheed Martin would build that for 21 trillion. They would build that for 21 trillion. So if, if you look at the kind of infrastructure you know, in the skies and in space that has been built with this money. It's extraordinary. And it's the technology, the weaponry is unbelievably powerful. And so, so they, just a quick funny quip here. Did you know that Blockbuster still has an active Twitter account? No. So they <laughs> Are there any Blockbusters still in <laughs> well, existence? Or is it only an online presence? Yeah, it's just an online presence. So they, today, they're, two hours ago, Blockbuster tweeted, in the spirit of trying to be ahead of trends now, which is <laughs> wow. which is really funny, we are now rebranding to Blockbuster to Block X or Xbuster. Please let us know in the comments because you know uh, Elon Musk yes. is rebranding <clears throat> Twitter to X. Which really, I didn't know that. Yeah, which X. now he's in a trademark dispute with Microsoft of because of Xbox and whatnot. Of so. course, so. any any guy who wants to put a chip in the back of my head and hook hook me up to his satellites it's not somebody who's of interest to me <laughs> right so so blockbuster's still cracking jokes in 2023 on twitter well, but think about it you walk into you walk into blockbuster in bolivar tennessee in 2000 or you know whenever that was 99 2000 and there in their list of recommended documentaries is the phoenix lights hmm. right so so how does that go back before you talked about space assets and you said that you thought the the pandemic was the response to this. Can you explain that? No, the, the pandemic was part of finishing off the coup. Finishing it off. So I so thought you said it. Re- okay, I thought I, I misunderstood. I thought you said it was a, like a response 
It's a it's a part. The going it was direct part of reset. that redistribution. Of, so you of have that a, money. you have a coup. You have a coup. You have a coup, mm-hmm. and then you have to you have to do a reset at the end to start your sort of new system. What right? you were cooing for. Yeah, which you were going for. Gotcha. Now, think, I'm going to grossly oversimplify. Let's just pretend that the actual cash is $21 trillion. I believe it's larger than that, but let's mm-hmm. just take that as a number. If I took $21 trillion out of the U.S. government, you know, parked it at the BIS and invested it at just the market rate of interest, mm-hmm. that can throw off enough interest and dividends to finance an entire global government on an endowment basis, mm-hmm. Right. And, and the point I hear you making is everything we fear that is happening right now, they have the money to do this. Absolutely. They, Absolutely. And we financed it. We financed it. But we also have, under the law, the right to assert a common law right of offset. You know something? And it was about to be exposed right. prior to 9-11. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Wow. Right. So we have the right to say, you know something? All those underground bases, you know— all those satellites, we own them. It's our money. We assert a common law right of offset. You can't just say, oh, you're bankrupt. It's, it's, wait a minute. But you know what we need to, to pull that off? Guns. Yes. Which they're trying to take away right now. Uh, of course. Mm-hmm. They, you, cannot, you cannot finish the reset and get total control unless you can control the land. Mm-hmm. You know, it all comes down to a land army, whether it's in the Ukraine or Franklin, Tennessee. Holy cow. Right. Uh, there's just that's so deep. My <laughs> head, my head Listen, exploded last time. You know, now nothing's changed I kind of put it back together, and now it's exploded again. Right, but there's nothing nothing new since David Crockett. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Oh, yeah. sure. But yeah. but I think I, I think this is um, the the thing that people struggle with is that for so long, our friends, our um, neighbors, have lived under the belief that what they think is happening as far as governance is all there is, right? right? But, but it's, and so it's, it's a, such a paradigm shift for people to think of things this way. Well, but let's go back to the red button story. I told you the red button story when I was here. Yes, mm-hmm. you okay. did. Yep. Okay. It's not Washington and Wall Street doing this. Right. We're doing this mm-hmm. too. I mean, you. I, I listened to you and Brandon at Freedom Fest, and you described chapter and verse— of all the people in Tennessee who are racketeering and stealing. Of course. Okay. Because yeah. they think that's the way it works and that's the way it's going and lots of people are making money and I went on the bandwagon. You know, all of America just about is participating mm-hmm. in this. Funding its demise. Well, if in 1998, according to the Department of Justice, the U.S. economy laundered $500 billion to a trillion dollars of dirty, illegal money— do you know how many people in the general population are involved in doing that or benefiting from it directly? Mm-hmm. Fees for friends, you called it, right? Right. Okay. Oh, we're, we're, oh, real quick, by the way. So I, I got corrected last week whenever I was there with Catherine. I think I think I was in conversation with someone. You were right there. Somebody corrected me. All this time, I forgot where we, I thought we made that up. I thought that was our thing. <laughs> no, I had, it was Catherine. I, I, I've been going around Gary. like it's I, fine. I've Take been it. going around, you know, like like Kevin and I say, freeze for friends. No, and like this. okay. <laughs> we no, we stole fine. it from Gary. Catherine. That's fine. Gary, you know how have you? We've been in meetings, and Gary's like, Kevin doesn't speak for me. So on this point, Gary does not speak for me. I always remembered that that came from Catherine. Fees for friends. In fact, yeah, I, think, it's yours. I think if you go it's back, yours. Let no, it no, no, spread we can't take credit for it. <laughs> if we go back, if any of our listeners want to go back, I think we've even said, as Catherine told us, fees for Maybe friends. Maybe you did. But that's I interesting didn't. that over time, Gary forgot that's the good. source. Totally that's did. That's good. Well, so I want to go, you know, in our in our as we're sort of winding down, unfortunately here. What I want to do is. I kind of want to go TC Mitz for a moment. Now, oh yes. now, now we actually do have this, a. That is, that's my father's, the we, celebrated man in the streets. In other words, like TC Mitz, common guy, right? Right. TC Mitz. So for the TC Mitz out there, okay. So if if we let's just kind of set the basis of understanding that you know since the late nineties, you know we've forked away this twenty one trillion dollars. It could be a lot more. We don't know because these are sort of unaccounted for adjustments as you say and the source is not trustworthy <laughs> right and so we and you know and we can see what happened especially during covid i think everything you said just makes sense because you 
we saw. Look, I said I, I've I've said this before, and I was not just me. Several people have, but we've had this conversation about whenever COVID happened. When did you ever imagine that it was feasible or po- or humanly possible that in us in a in the flip of a switch? That the entire globe would cooperate and mm-hmm. do the same thing. Overnight, we were all locking down. We were all wearing masks. We were all responding. So what, 8 billion people now? Whatever, 8 trillion people now? Whatever we're up to? I don't even know how many people no, we no, have no, on the billions. planet. Is it billions? It's billions. billions. It's not trillions. So I'm- so, and, and my thought, as, as I think about that, that, does, that, that is impossible. That does not happen without the the system in place to make that possible to make that happen the the governments all of the things under the you know all the way down to these global organizations like the who and everything that was required okay. to disseminate not only disseminate the information but to get the cooperation of governments to make all this happen and i'm thinking to myself and all using the same language by the way they weren't just doing the same yeah. thing it was like it was out of the same exact playbook. In every nation, in every tongue. Mm-hmm. And so you would imagine not only had that system been set up, as I think as we're discussing now, it must have been funded somehow, right? So all of that's happened, that's transpired. We saw it happen in real time. And I think we are now in 2023 in the season where sort of this this plan is in motion. Right. We can't wind back the clock. Right. It it happened. All right. What what does the TC mits now? The common man on the streets. Now, obviously, we're advocating for for sovereign banks. We're for bullion depositories at the state level. What what do we do as as individuals to shield ourselves from this system now that has been put in place and thrust upon us? Okay, so the first thing you under, you know, I always had a pass through. I told you last time, I says, if we can face it, God can fix it. You are in a war and somebody's going to try and steal everything you got. And so the question is first, you got to face it, and then you've got to prepare to change the state of play. So we have a new memo. I brought you hard copy to give you, uh, I think I gave it to you at Freedom Fest. It's called Financial Transaction Freedoms, and and it, uh, the subtitle is, uh, what is it, what threatens it, and what can we do about it? Um, and so I would tell everybody to go to Solari, get a copy of that, and look at the things you can do in your home, in your family, to protect yourself against the leadership and the central bankers getting complete digital control, starting with using cash. The more we use cash and take the system analog. But the other thing is if you're living in Tennessee, you are uniquely blessed because we have a group of legislators who understand exactly what is happening and what we need to do about it. So that includes Senator Nicely. That includes Representative uh, Bud Halsey. And what we need to do is we need to get our legislators on board to support them. One of the first things they need to do is coming up in August if the governor calls a special session – we need to make sure our representatives call for adjournment within five minutes right. and get Now, get we've that been killed. talking about red flag laws in the Second Amendment, but from your perspective, and I love that you I love that you, you bring all of this financial wisdom and then you and then you talk about the Second Amendment. Can you just tie sure. those two together? Sure, because the end game here is who controls the real assets. So if there's far more phony baloney paper in the global financial system you know, with a call on the real assets. The question is, who gets the real assets, the guys who can print money and, and has stolen all the money, or us, you know? So do you own your property, or does the government debt give them a right can to— Can they just come take it? Yeah, can yeah. they come and confiscate it? And that is all going to come down. If you look at what they're trying to do with the smart grid, with the smart cities, with CBDC, with the FedNow system— They're trying to get control of your assets, whether they use climate change as the excuse, whether they use mental, you know, there are a thousand different excuses. They can't do that if you are well, if you and your neighbors are well armed. So this is just getting really basic and primal here. They come to take my land. I'm unarmed. I can't defend myself. Well, but the other thing is under the Constitution, the supreme enforcement jurisdiction in, in your county 
is your sheriff. sheriff. Yep. And if you can back your sheriff up with a, a well-armed militia, which is totally constitutional, then, you know, and you can do that in many counties within a state and you have the support of the state legislature. I mean, under the Constitution, the power is not delegated to the feds or reserved to the states. The states are superior under the Constitution if we exercise that power. But it's also going to come down to spiritual, legal, financial, mm -hmm. and physical power. And that's where the guns come in. I mean, go back through history. Anytime you pull in the guns, what happens next? Yep. Genocide. You know, and people lose their land. Mm -hmm. So it's going to come down to that. And I'm sure the last time they tried to do a pandemic with the swine flu, they ran into so much strong resistance, including physical resistance. They knew they were going to face guns. It wasn't mm -hmm. going to work. And because of all the deaths that were happening at the time, I think they pulled back their swine flu vaccine within 12 days because 25 people had died. Right. <laughs> right. Know. So, so you know, if if you want to make sure that the money you put into Social Security comes back, you better make sure that you oh, and I've your neighbors— up. I've given up on that a long time ago. No, don't. As far don't, as the Social Security money. Do not give up on a dime. This war is for every penny. Okay. They fight for every Point penny. Well we got to fight for any penny. That's our money. But you need to make sure that you and your community are well-armed and well-trained to use your arms. And, you know, I'll just be really blunt. If you look at the people coming across the border in free flow— a lot of those are military yes. men, some military of them. Military age, yep. Right, they, some CCP, we talked about that, right. battalions. And, and, you know, I know I know of pilots flying in military-trained and experienced people. You know, if those guys have assault weapons and we don't, mm -hmm. you know, I, I don't want to land on Normandy Beach with a water pistol, do yeah, you? Absolutely. Right. And if I don't, if I happen not to have any guns at the time and someone's trying to rob me and take my land, I'm going to invite them to dinner with Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because we know we won't be poisoned. Because we, they may try to poison us, but at least we can figure out our well, way to get I, out of I that. I have a whole house well filter because I think some of the, I've got a whole series of poisoning with arsenic. arsenic. I thought they were putting it down my well, so uh. I have a whole house filter. Oh, no, I could talk forever about poisons. It's a... The theater of the mind. Catherine walked in today. Catherine also... <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and we gifted us each, Kevin and I, with a uh, and, and producer man. Did you get? Yeah, producer man got one. A uh, one ounce ninety nine point uh, nine 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 fine silver. One ounce uh, of of silver worth twenty five dollars today, and so yeah. that's a very real thing. With the golden rule written on the back, yeah. right? Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. So it's hilarious. We say finance unto others as you would have them finance unto you. you know, mm. We got to do that too. That. I'm hoping, you know, the the, the legislators are working on a, a silver medallion for Tennessee. I heard that. And I can't wait. That's that, what I'm, you know, we're going to load up. Great. That yeah. would be phenomenal. Yeah. Hey, really, I'm sorry. I got one quick, like, administrative question because I, there are some states that have printed, um, Speaking of the coinage, that we're printing gold yeah, backs. Yeah, if you, if you want to buy gold at 100% premium when you could buy it for 3 to 5% premium, go ahead. But that's, but that's unconstitutional. The Constitution doesn't allow states to print paper money based on gold, though, isn't, isn't it? I'm assuming they're saying it's... It's gold, but it's private companies. I thought that were doing it. I yeah, I just I, I just saw something but about that. But here's the thing: if you look at the if you look at the pricing, you're paying a hundred percent over melt value, which is an outrageous premium, right? And you can't melt it down. So, right. so why would you do that? Why would you do but that? But states have a constitutional well, right though, I, to coin I understand silver. why you would sell it. Yeah. Oh, well, yeah. if you're of course. <laughs> Can I ask one more question? Sure. I, don't, I don't mean to go back into this too deeply, but uh -huh. it's, it's kind of an important one, at least that for me. How many people, I, I don't need a number, how many people in government and in the businesses that mm. are perpetrating this fraud are even mm. aware that they're involved in doing this? Like, who are the puppet masters? Again, not by name so much as how few are the puppet masters versus how many are the useful idiots who are... Mm. So because you can go, you can do so much through the digital system. So when I was the FHA commissioner... I was trying to figure out how all this financial fraud was going on without, you know, without many people knowing it. And so much of it was engineered through the digital systems and the corporate contractors. So the civil service was all sort of, you know, only 
they would only knew a piece, but they knew not to ask questions because the last guy did right. died, you know. So, but I, I think I told you guys I used to try and get under the law. I was responsible to make sure that the FHA single family mortgage insurance fund was run on a self sustaining basis. Mm-hmm. And every time I tried to get the data, a lot of times the corporate contractors would refuse to give it to me. It's like, wait a minute, you know, right. you're a contractor, you work for me, but mm-hmm. they were like, no, you don't understand how it works. But each of the, every time I've heard this explained. It's and how the CIA, for example, operates. It almost sounds like nobody has the full story, right? Everybody's given silos of information so that they couldn't it's possibly. It's definitely siloed, but you know something? A lot of people know the full. A lot of people know, and as long as they get a piece of an action, mm-hmm. they'll go along. You know, I'm telling you, all of America wants their check in the story of "I am good." And they'll go along. You can't fight City Hall, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm. I mean, here's the problem. We are liquidating the company, the country, you know, with this level of corruption. It's a liquidation. And that's why we're doing a reset to get total control. Because when the music stops, they want the real assets. Yeah. And, you know, but but among the all the rest of us, there are a lot of us who don't want to face. And I understand because, you know, when I had to face what was really going on in my own operation as the Assistant Secretary of Housing, you know, that was hard. It's hard to look in the mirror and say, I'm the patsy. It's mm. it's one of the hardest things I've ever done. Mm. And I only did it because it was necessary to survive. Mm. Well, Catherine, thank you so much. We're blessed to have you back on the show uh, here at Freedom Matters. And, and thankful for you being here Um I encourage everyone to go to Solari.com. That's S-O-L-A-R-I, Solari.com, and make sure that you follow Catherine and her work and subscribe to the Solari Report. And I'll close with this quote from Elvis Presley that is here on the back of this particular report, which I think is awesome. (laughs) Any quote from Elvis. I have no use for bodyguards, but I have very specific use for two highly trained certified public accountants. (laughs) (laughs) I love Elvis. (laughs) Thanks, Catherine. Thank you, guys. And, you know, uh, we love Tennessee Stance. We love what you're doing. If there's ever anything we can do to help or help you, help your listeners understand how the money works around them and how to get it working so we're building wealth for our families instead of this crazy, kooky financial system, I'd love to do it. Amen. Let's do it. Thanks. If you'd like to learn more about Tennessee Stands, visit TennesseeStands.org to donate, volunteer, or get more information about what we're doing to preserve liberty for the people of Tennessee. You can also follow along on all social platforms at Tennessee Stands. As Thomas Paine reminded us, those who expect to reap the blessings of freedom must, like men, undergo the fatigue of supporting it. (laughs) 